Everybody comfortable? Yeah. Get your ass up when I'm talking. Hey, take it easy. It's showtime. It's showtime. Yeah. Feel the magic and soul of the YBs. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Take two. All right, that David show. We are back bringing you uh, definitely some Bears discussion. So there will be discussion with the World Series uh, commencing to yesterday, I guess. Or I can say tonight because it's when we're recording it. All right, so definitely game one is tonight, uh, Tuesday night. Uh, I'm happy because I had the Dodgers winning, but I won it all chalk. So at least you got the Tampa Bay Rays, Ryan, right? At least you got that, right? I like the Rays. I, I mean, I actually do too. It's just in my lifetime, I believe You're just uh, Mr. Republican, all for, <laughs> all for the corporation deregulation, deregulation. Yeah, you know, small business, get the hell out of my major small league market teams. No shit, fooey, fooey, fooey. Uh, but yeah, uh, definitely got to get into all that. Uh, we definitely got to go off the tippy and uh, give you some up for grabs. I am Kenneth Davis. I'm your host. Follow me at That's Davis. And I've already talked to him. You know, the executive producer of That Davis Show and the Flip and Friends is the one, the only Ryan Bukovetsky. Follow him at Ryan B. Ski and Ryan B. Ski one. Hmm. Take it from the top. Taking it from the top. Tippy. Sing it, daddy. Sing it, daddy. The tippy. The tippy. All right, listen. These are going to be fun today. I don't have any hate in my heart, unlike somebody that's hating on me. Oh. All right, so I got up this Well, week. somebody's got to fill in the hate <laughs> in this <course>. show. <laughs> of course. I'm empty. You're full. So <laughs> I was watching uh, ESPN's first take this morning, and they had uh, Khabib Nurma, uh, Nurma, Nurma uh, go. Wow, in. why did you even go into that? You should have just stopped at Khabib. Khabib, no, it's... It's Nurmagomedov. It's Nurmagomedov, all right? I usually can get a name. It's Nurmagomedov, all right? So that's why I went there, because I usually get names, and I will perfect it and work on it, all right? I'm not a quitter, all right? So take that. I'm not quitting. But anyway. Can't ever win if you don't quit. (laughs) He was on there to discuss his upcoming fight this Saturday against Justin Gaiji, a knockout specialist. And um, they kept hitting him with, basically, are you going to fight Conor McGregor? That's And and, another thing is, it, it was... Bad interviewing because you can tell that I know Max Kellerman does boxing and he pays attention to MMA, but that's still not his bag. And Stephen A. Smith likes boxing, but you can tell he doesn't probably pay as much attention to the MMA. I mean, you know this from being a host of shows and stuff. It's too easy to go for low hanging fruit. That's one thing I try not to do is just go with the low hanging fruit in an interview because you want to kind of get to different layers and kind of also have some fun if you can, even though sometimes it's just to be informative. So they kept asking him about what he would he fight Conor McGregor. And this was like the third or fourth time, right? And I'm like, I knew it was coming where Shuddy's gonna pop off. So this is what Stephen A. Smith said. And this is the third time I believe the question was asked. A lot of times, particularly in a fight game, you talk about giving people what they want to see. Uh, one of the things I said last week talking about you, sir, was that you really, really, really don't want to fight somebody like Conor McGregor again, primarily because you don't like him. And you think fighting him again gives him attention which doesn't help when you're asking this question that, that you don't believe he deserves. How accurate is that? Which <laughs> Khabib goes on to say on first take in the morning, <laughs> he said right now, I don't even want to talk about that shit. 
about the producers and Molly. All right, get it going. They asked him like two more questions and it was a wrap. Right, like one, why did they ask him against a knockout guy like Justin Gaiji? Because Khabib is more of a wrestler, you know, uh, he's, he, he's he's more of a guy that's going to get at you to come into submission or something like that. Listen, I know you don't want to give up your secrets, but how how do you tech a knockout guy like just like there's so many different questions you can ask and the same one, you know, the person that you're interviewing doesn't want to ask. But he pulled the athlete's move or interviewee's move of, oh, y'all keep messing with me. I'm going to make sure we cut this bad boy off quick. Which when I saw it, I had to laugh. I was like, I don't even want to talk about that shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was sweet. It was so sweet. All right, so that's my first. Uh, did you wait? Did you happen to see it this morning, Ryan? I did not, but I can totally see why. Like they have MMA, they want to promote it, and nobody cares about MMA unless it's the big name guys. And right. you said somebody else. I think that he's fighting. I'm like, who? Huh? Because right. right. I'm not an MMA guy either. It just well, Gaiji is sweet. Gaiji is sweet. The guy. He beat the hottest guy the last fight he had, and he he and I think he uh he got switched in there late, I believe. And the dude that he beat, I can't remember. He's sweet too. Uh, he's a he's a nasty dude. Uh, I'm listen. This this actually is gonna be a good fight, but I'm not paying pay per view to watch him and right now. It's not happening. All right, so my no, they don't have stars. You need stars, baby. Or the stars are either too busy busting out windows and trying to sell proper. Was it twenty one or twelve? What's the whiskey or whatever's name? Or sniffing coke and running out the car. Yeah. So the coke one. But we do got the kid, um, the kid that does the uh, um, the what's the name, the Pokemon thing. He just beat that guy uh, last week. That was a knockout guy, the black kid from. Oh like, God, we sound like eighty year old men on the porch just talking about TV. <laughs> we do, we do. I know. Listen, I know did you see I that see. one guy with the one thing and the black, he was the looking black at that guy. one guy? The black one, the black one, right? <laughs> Listen, I know a name. I want to know a name, and I want to mention this name as my next uh, taking it from the tippy the top. Um, tippy. The Bears uh, signed to their practice squad the infamous uh, Matai Tail, and the, oh my guy. Right my guy. You know, and of course, listen, I don't know if they would have signed him if he was never New Orleans Saints player because you know Ryan Pace is going to bring in anybody that's with the Saints. Oh, yeah. I could be like, man, I walked... Did he have a cup of coffee in New Orleans? I walked past the training facility once. Right? Oh, you're good enough for me. I, I once made a meal for Sean Payton. No, oh, you're the crust of the earth. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, anyway. Uh, being uh, being ignorant, um, um, it's not well. It's not ignorant because I know what I'm doing. But <laughs> I tell, and you know, I hate this. I hate how a, a person can have a moment frozen in time, and your mind always reverts to that that moment. And hopefully, well, that's that's a that's a, a salami, moment. a whopper. It's of been a so long. one it's, moment. It's been listen. It's been this is the all American. From right. Hawaii. Right, right. And then Listen, he just was catfished. You know how long ago it's been? He's just a year younger than Danny Trevathan. Think about God, that. That's crazy. About right. So we're talking about Danny Trevathan's been a bear for what? Four or five years? About this is Trevathan's fifth year. He signed a three-year deal initially. Regardless, he's been here four to five. Uh, he was here like first or second year of Pace. Yeah. So he's been here about – this is his – I'm sorry, Fox. This is his fifth season, I believe, with the Bears, perhaps. And 
to think he already had a career in Denver, right? So just like I say, Matthew. Won a ring. Yeah, my answer is correct. It's only a year younger than him. Let you know how long ago that happened. But I thought, and in my head, I start replaying the audio from his catfish girlfriend. Like, hey, my time. I know you're busy. <laughs> now, this is low-hanging fruit right here. <laughs> what do you mean? You only get one signing of Manti Tail. We got to use it up. And it was it's like, in the bag. It's just like a flood of emotions. And I started thinking about, I believe it was a player on the, the Arizona Cardinals who was like his cousin was involved in this or something. And it was just like and the, uh, the alleged girlfriend was had cancer. She died and she resurrected. So she was in the Bible too, uh, but like if you, yeah, she died a lot. She's like a cat, just right. going through the lines, right? <laughs> and but the thing that he said it. The worst part is he, I, I want to say, and I mean, I may be and this, I could be ignorant about. He played to it nationally, which made it a thing. Oh yeah, right. So he was trying to what, use that to win the yeah, to get the Heisman. <laughs> 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 and uh, my mind always goes to, was he in on it? Or, like, what what was the angle? Because I feel like you know when someone's on the phone trying to do a lady's voice. Now, sometimes it could actually be a woman, I guess, but this sounds like a dude trying to be a lady. Dudes look like a lady! Ah! like Tropic Thunder. I'm a dude playing another <laughs> dude. dude playing a woman! <laughs> So, so I just it, it just it just it just struck me, and it's just like I need this should be a thirty for thirty. Listen, Matt Tatel should get some bread. He oh yeah, that's coming. Be like, listen, I'll pay y'all. Listen, you pay me five mil, and I'll give y'all facts on everything that took place right here. Right, like five mil. Because listen, the career is already not what it was expected, even though I think if you really want Yeah, do you think that ruined his career? Like, did he stop being good at football? I think it's sour. I think, I think he is the player that he was going to be. But sometimes I think when you take such a public hit... So the point I want to make, we know Aaron Rodgers is one of the GOATs of... Physically, he's a GOAT of football until Patrick Mahomes plays a little bit more, even though I call Patrick Mahomes baby GOAT. Right, but Aaron Rodgers physically is the goat. Tom Brady has the most accolades and the most victories. Physically, Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback of all time. Right, and it was funny watching that game. He he goes out and he runs for like a twenty yard touchdown, gets hit, jumps up, and does the uh, Keenan and Kale pelvis thump thing, where mm-hmm. he pumps. Do you get to do with the ref? And a player came and bent down to count the pumps that Aaron Rodgers was giving or whatever. And I was like, man, I was saying after, I was like, I feel weird calling Patrick Mahomes baby goat and Aaron Rodgers' old ass is still out here running like that, right? But the rest of that game, like he threw a pick, then he threw another pick six, and he threw a pick six. And you could see him being undressed. And it was in front of everybody. Like, uh, uh, and and Sue is hitting him, talking and fouling him, right? And you could tell Aaron Rodgers is mad at Sue, right? But he can't do anything to back up Aaron Rodgers. Like, that was the wild. Like, Aaron Rodgers' eyes was like this. And he wished he could turn on Aaron Rodgers, but he couldn't. And it was like he was being undressed in front of everyone. Now, that's different with Aaron Rodgers being an all-time great. But with Manti Teo, and it's not the same, it's an apples to oranges comparison. It slightly reminds me of Chris Webber in a national championship game against North Carolina calling a timeout, where he still went on to have a great career in his probably a top seven power four, maybe a little, maybe top six power four in the NBA. Skill-wise, he's probably top three or four, all right? 
But still, I feel like if that didn't happen to Chris Webber, his NBA career would have been a little bit better. But getting the Matai player uh, a lower statue when it comes to ability, I feel like Matai was always going to be a serviceable, a serviceable uh, linebacker. But this was such a, a public hit that it's hard to come up from under something. Like, especially depending on the type of person you are. Like, some people don't care. So it's like, I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, okay. You, yeah, make fun of me. I'm still going to do that. You're not me. You wish you were me. Like, some people have that mentality, which it's beneficial a lot when it helps you to get past stuff. And I don't think Matt Tatel has that. And he, I think, I think he enters the room and thinks that's the first thing that people think. And unfortunately, it is. It's a, <laughs> it's a huge one. I mean, I know what I'd be thinking. What the hell were you thinking? <laughs> I know you were the cause. I was just calling you. I'll talk to you later. Bye. <coughs> Bye. <laughs> I mean, like, Manti, come on. There wasn't anybody in Notre Dame? What are we doing here? I don't know, brother. I don't know. I don't know. But you know what? We're going to switch gears and get into a little football. Uh, from NBC Sports Chicago, J.J. Stankovich is going to join us to break down the Bears' past game and the upcoming game Monday night against the uh, Los Angeles Rams. I almost said St. Louis. All right. That Davis show. All right, that Davis show, and I'm lucky enough to have J.J. Stankovich, who covers the Chicago Bears for NBC Chicago. Follow him at J.J. Stankovich. How are you doing, J.J.? I'm good today. Uh, just two week, excuse me, two weeks before the trade deadline, and working through a big post on NBC Sports Chicago right now about some guys the Bears could wind up trading for in the next couple of days. Oh, so you want to skip to the la- the end of the, the question there that I was going to give you today? You let's go straight to that then. That was- let's do it. Yeah. All right. So uh, so listen, this was my thoughts to you. Um, one. It, with the weather the Bears are playing, and I, I was going to leave with me being a curmudgeon. Uh, I did not because I had you coming on. I did not listen to the Undercenter podcast because I don't like to steal questions. I said, I'll wait. But looking at the title, I felt that me and you are in the same vein because I'm being a curmudgeon at 5-1. and one. But we'll get into that after this. So listen, they are 5-1. and one. And let's just say now, let's just say, for instance, they end up at, you say that two weeks is the deadline. Let's just say they win the next two games. All right. Mm-hmm. Just say they win the next two games. You have to then start looking at, regardless of how well the offense is playing, you have a chance. And what would they be willing to give up for said person that you're about to tell us about, said players that you're about to tell us about? Right. And and it's a tricky spot because the, the bear. I mean, they're they're really fortunate to be five and one. I know we're going to talk about that later. Um, but the do you how much do you want to sacrifice in 2021? That is what you're, you're trying to determine right now. That's what I'm sure Ryan Pace and his front office are trying to figure out. And what I'm writing is that the Bears should not give away the farm right now. But they need to be aggressive. And there are guys out there who can help their team right now who are not going to cost a first-round pick or are not going to cost a bunch of money tied up into the cap. When going forward, you don't have a deal done with Allen Robinson yet. So I identified – I got 13 guys – I was like, you know what, I would go and consider these guys if they are available. Um, you know, most of the players are on the Jets or the Giants or the Texans. I mean, the, the worst teams in the league. And there are certain guys who I think could be had for mid-round picks, late-round picks, who don't cost a lot of money, who would be perfect additions for this team. Um, they, what they need is a left guard, first and foremost. That was kind of my first priority segment in this article. The guy I think who makes the most sense, go call up Houston and their general manager list team 
<laughs> Zach Fulton from Homewood. He was a Homewood Flossmore graduate, a guy I thought the Bears would target in free agency a couple years ago. Uh, has experience in Matt Nagy's offense. He played center, right guard, and left guard with the Kansas City Chiefs between 2014 and 2017. Uh, he, he's got, I think, two years left on his contract. That's pretty cheap. Guy, you could go out and just plug and play at left guard. Immediately, that makes the left side of your offensive line better. It's not going to be as good as it was when James Daniels was in there. But seeing what Rashad Coward and Alex Bars did over the last couple of weeks, you got to get better there. There are a couple guys out there I think they could go for. Kevin Zeitler, just one other name. He would be, I mean, your, your home run trade acquisition with the New York Giants if David Gettleman's willing to give him up. He's a tremendous run-blocking right guard. He also is going to cost a lot. You might have to give up a second-round pick and pay him a lot of money to come to Chicago. But, hey, if you're saying this is our year, we can go to the Super Bowl with this team as constructed if we get a good left guard in there, maybe you do it. Real quick, JJ, before you move on, uh, with the Giants player, how long is his contract? Because looking at James Daniels returning next year, and again, you're right, this is about winning this year. James Daniels is out, so you, you have to try to win this year. But I'm just thinking about, would you would you move him if the contract extended where Fetty is? Like, how would that play out if, if the contract is more than just this season? Yeah, so actually, Jermaine Fetty only being on a one-year contract gives you a little bit of wiggle room here. Okay. Uh, Zeitler and a lot of these guys are under contract through 2021. Uh, the other guys I mentioned... James Carpenter is under contract through 2021. He's on the Falcons now. Uh, Billy Price, kind of a first-round bust with the Bengals. He's under contract for a couple more years. Um, so you do have some flexibility there, but a lot of these guys, too, have outs in their contracts where you can get out from them pretty easily after the season if you don't want to take on that full cap hit in 2021. Zeitler only has $2.5 million in dead money. Zach Fulton is less than a million. Uh, James Carpenter, uh, another guy who could get out, you could get out for him pretty easily too. So the, it would give the Bears some flexibility for 2021 while also addressing a need that is pretty redline right now in 2020. So on the defensive side of the ball, I'm sure if you did that with guard, we have to do that with tackle. I, I know it. Oh, oh, and also, just did you do anything with linebacker? But please get to tackle. I, I want to know. I did, so I didn't do anything with linebacker. I, okay. I don't have. Look, the Bears, the Bears put all their eggs in the Danny Trevathan basket. Correct. You can't get out from that. You've got right. to, It's the same thing with left tackle, right, with Charles Lenny. You're not getting out from that this year. You're not getting out from Danny Trevathan right now. Those two guys are on this team. They're going to have to start for you this year. So I didn't look at linebacker. But defensive tackle, uh, two names that I think are, are relatively realistic here. Delvin Tomlinson on the New York Giants. This dude is an awesome run stopper. His 13 run stops this year are second in the NFL among defensive linemen. That would be a guy you could step in. You know, he has a little bit of experience playing the nose. Um, you can step him, plug him in right there. Your run defense gets an awful lot better when you got the Titans, the Vikings, the Packers coming up on your schedule. Um, another guy in there who might make a little bit of sense would be Avery Jones on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, he's, he would pay him about a prorated version of the $4 million he's owed this year. Decent run stuffer, nothing special. Has been on some good defenses there in Jacksonville. Probably wouldn't cost you more than a late-round pick to go get him because he will be a free agent after this year. And then, hey, just for fun, Ken, I threw Quinn and Williams on there. Okay. You know, why, you know, why not? Quinn and, you, you can imagine Quinn and Williams and Akeem Hicks playing next to each other. I just said don't sacrifice the farm for two, you know, 2021. But, hey, you know, at least talk about it. Talk about yeah. going to Quinn and Williams. He's one of the best interior defensive linemen, young interior defensive linemen in the NFL. The Jets, you know, they're in total teardown mode. He's not a Joe Douglas guy. There have been some rumblings that they might be willing to trade him too. 
Um, I don't think I would do it, but eh, it'll be fun to consider it. That David show right now, we have J.J. Stankovich. Follow him at J.J. Stankovich. Real quick, let me get on both when it comes to offensive uh, offensive guard and, and DT tackle. Let me get your premium as far as if you were giving up the farm work, what you do. But if you were trying to look at stopgap guys that could probably just this season take you there, but you will still be able to keep that draft collateral because we know you have to get some depth since you trade away draft collateral. Which way would you go in that direction, J.J.? At guard, if I'm going for the farm, I'm trading for Kevin Zeitler. Um, mm-hmm. He's really good and would be worth the upgrade there. Um, and then, you know, if we were just saying, yeah, forget about 2021, you go get him. On defensive line, I honestly – I still wouldn't go get Quinn and Williams, but I would do what I could to get Dalvin Tomlinson. Okay. If Dave Gettleman is willing to part with him, he's going to be free agent after this year so you can get Eddie Goldman back and not really have to worry about having too many – as if there's such a thing as too many great defensive linemen. You don't want to overload on run stuffers, though. Uh, right. I think Delvin Tomlinson would be a really, really good short-term addition for this Bears team if they could go get him. He's due less than a million bucks the rest of the year. Uh, Wouldn't hurt your cap next year. Maybe you give up a a third-round pick to go get him. But that might be worth it at this point if you're really selling yourself on this defense in 2020. And listen, I'm I'm with you. You definitely don't want to overload on run stuffers, but – even when you see with Eddie Goldman opting out, we can just say if Eddie Goldman gets hurt next year, you see how bad, well, how, how precarious your run defense becomes. It may make sense just to get another guy. You know what I'm saying? Just in case he doesn't have to be a premium guy, but in case, I mean, even just for, for depth, it would make sense to get someone and Bilal Nichols be able to play his position, especially since where Robinson Harris is probably going to be end up being gone anyway. And I'm going mm-hmm. to you on him a little bit later. So listen, I'm a curmudgeon. Um, dude, I have been stressed watching these games. And it's so funny, right? I'm sitting there, uh, I'm watching the game in the basement. You know, so the old lady is, is back in the utility room uh, washing some clothes. And I'm screaming, and she's like, what? Why isn't this fun for you? And I'm like, listen, like you're saying it like it should be suspenseful fun, but this is just like tense pressure. Like there, there's, and I, I understand winning ugly. I'm with winning ugly, right? But at least give me like, four to five minutes at the end of the game to where I can relax and know the game is over. Maybe I could turn the red zone. I mean, just allow me to use my cable box. So how have you felt with this five and one schedule? It is great that they're five and one, but how do you feel about this team? Are they a strong five and one? How, how much do you believe in this team so far? JJ? They're not a strong five and one, but they're five and one. Mm. So they have a lot of wiggle room to fix their issues in the coming weeks. Wiggle room that a lot of teams around the NFL do not have. I mean, there there are teams out there that are two and three and are just complete disasters. You know, teams that are two and four and all of a sudden are are like, I don't know, we're, we're gonna, we have enough to make the playoffs. And the the Bears have given themselves such an incredible runway to really get this thing to take off that I am I am. I'm like you. I mean, I, the Undercenter podcast, I got yelled at by David Kaplan and Cam Ellis on the pod after Sunday's game because I was like, I, th- this team, if they make the same mistakes they made against Carolina, they're going to get their butts kicked by the Rams, the Saints, and the Titans in the next three weeks. Right. But at the same time, they can now go out and fix those mistakes. They can try to do that. The worry that I have with this team, Ken, is that Matt Nagy talked after the game against the Buccaneers. Like, got to fix the details. That, that wasn't good enough. We've got to fix the details. They had 10 days to fix the details and they came out and the details just weren't there again. And they beat Carolina because Carolina, while I really like what they're doing there, 
They are much closer to a rebuilder than a contender. Correct. So now you're getting the Rams, a team that you are going to be fighting maybe for a playoff spot with, for playoff seeding with. On Monday Night Football in Los Angeles, this is a test for this Bears team. And I like – look, the, the Bears beat a really good Buccaneers team. That was a really, really good win they had on Thursday Night Football. Anyone who tries to diminish that by saying, well, the, you know, the Bucs, the, the, you know, whatever, the Bucs beat the crap out of the Packers. Right. The, that win the Bears had against the Buccaneers is one of the best wins an NFL team has had this season, bar none. Mm-hmm. But at the same point, you know, the week before, the Bears got their butts kicked by the Colts. That should not have been an eight-point game. That was a 16-point game. And it wasn't and, larger than that, actually. Right, yeah. Thank God the defense played as well as they did. Um, otherwise, that would have been, you know, we were talking about Cardinals-Cowboys kind of blow out like that. But th- this is where I think the Bears stand. They are banking that their defense will continue to win them games and that at some point this year, Nick Foles is going to get hot. And you hope he gets hot at the right time, which would be end of December, early January. And they, they have a lot of room right now. The, the great thing about being 5-1 and one is that in the current playoff format of seven teams, the, these numbers were run by some folks on Twitter. Teams that start 5-1 and one would have a, a 90% chance of making the playoffs. So while the, you can say all oh, the Bears, uh, you know, they're not all that good, all that, they're 5-1, and one, and they're probably you – know, all they have to do over their next – 10 games is B 500 and they get to 10 wins. Right. That's, that's not that hard to do. So, and then if you get to 10 wins and you get in the playoffs, you got Nick Foles as your quarterback, one of the greatest playoff quarterbacks of all time. And all of a sudden, Hey, you wind up playing for the NFC championship. Who knows? <laughs> that, that is the crazy thing, man. Like th- this team for as unimpressive and for as frustrating as they are. And for as many people are like you who are just like, like, just frustrated watching this team. They have such an amount of wiggle room to screw up and fix those mistakes that a lot of other teams in the NFL wish they had right now. I totally, I totally agree. That David show, JJ Stankovich, goes to the Bears for NBC Sports Chicago. Also check out the Undercity, Undercity podcast. Uh, JJ, listen, I want to stick with the defense, all right? Uh, one, statistics. Statistically, this defense is as good or as better as 2018. If I started saying this to you three weeks ago, it would be sacrilegious, right? But right now, it's you're starting to get those stops and what they're doing in the red zone. Now, that's really the key. It's, I call it Belchekian, all right? Like what they're doing, because you can bend no break all the way up into for 80 yards, but what they're doing in the red zone, it throws back to, okay, you guys can be special on this side. So defensively, do you believe that these, this defense can play to the level as the 2018 defense did? I'm starting to believe it. Um, you know, that it, it's, it's a little different than 2018 because 2018, they had so many takeaways. Mm-hmm. And those came in waves and in bunches. I don't know if that's going to happen this year. But the way that this team plays defense, I mean, their coverage is so good. Right. And I think that has been the, the most pleasant surprise of the team. We knew, we knew Kyle Fuller and Eddie Jackson, right? But for Jalen Johnson to step in and play the way he has, I know he gave up some plays against Carolina, but if you really watch that tape, Jalen Johnson played a good game. He did. And then Tashawn Gibson already has as many picks as HaHa Clinton Dix had last year. It looks like that is a much better safety pairing with Eddie Jackson. The, the things that the Bears are starting to be able to do in the back end of their defense, and then you add in Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, and Akeem Hicks rushing the passer, 
man, I don't know. That's tough. I don't know how offenses are going to play against this team because to allow three touchdowns in your last three games. And yeah, you're giving up field goals, but you are making stops when you need to make those stops. And that belief, I think that the biggest thing can between the, the 2018 team, and the 2020 team is they got that belief. Mm-hmm. I remember the, the, the bears played that game in Thanksgiving in 2018 where Eddie Jackson had the pick six to give him the lead. Matt Stafford goes right back down, leads the lines to the, the doorstep, tying the game. And Danny Trevathan gave a, a talk to that team being like, Hey, this is our moment. Let's go out and like, you know, let's cement our legacy essentially is what he was saying. And then on the next play, Kyle Fuller picked off the pass in the end zone to win the game. Like that team believed they were going to go out and make plays. I think this 2020 team is starting to believe that when you, when you do it as many times as they've done it now in the red zone on third down, that stuff helps. And, and it helps Chuck Pagano call games. And you know, that even thinking back to that 2018 team, they were giving up points through the first six weeks of the season. They gave up a lot of points in Miami. They gave up 24 points uh, to the Patriots who had two mm-hmm. special teams touchdowns in that game. It wasn't really till week seven, eight, nine that their defense started to come together. And then they had that game against the Vikings. That was their like, you know, their, their seminal moment mm-hmm. uh, that they've arrived game. They, they might be building toward that, this Bears defense. We'll see because the Rams, Saints, and Titans are going to be no joke for them to defend against in the next three weeks. You are getting me hyped. You've, tur- you've turned my love it. Love it. to a smile, right? Now, something when, when I talked to you on Shine and Maya's show about a month and a half ago, one of the questions was Eddie Jackson, who, again, smacked my face, Eddie Jackson, for being disrespectful. Look at those targets that you're not, that you, that you're not getting, all right? Showing you that the rest of the league, it, it, even if I said that at the beginning of the year, the rest of the league is saying you are in that rare air. Uh, and just looking at that second, the secondary is so crazy. You've already named the names. But the guy that brings a smile to my heart, right, and I love Rotide, I love Eddie Jackson, is Cal Fuller. And I feel, when I look around the league at rankings of the top cornerbacks, and I go deep because I'm like, where's Cal Fuller at, right? And I'm in the third tier, and I'm like, where's Cal Fuller? Where does Cal Fuller rank? Because right now for me, and I could, I could be a homer, and it's also what I'm watching the majority of the time, if he's not in the top three, he's in the top five. Like, because I, I feel like, He's doing everything from from press, from zone, from from from, from uh, run tackling. I, it's, he's doing everything, and I feel like no one's really talking about it. Yeah, I, you know, I can't speak to the other cornerbacks around the league, but I think I know all pro cornerback play when I see it. Kyle Fuller is playing like an all pro. Mm. I mean, the, the the coverage that he's playing, you can see how much more comfortable he is in year two in this scheme with the assignments, the reads. Uh, just his relationship with Deshae Townsend and Chuck Pagano, it, he's so much more comfortable. We're seeing Kyle Fuller again. And, I mean, the hits that this dude is, is laying on guys, like the NFL doesn't know how to officiate it because they're like, <laughs> that was too hard of a hit. It must have been a foul, right. even though it's not. It's incredible. Yeah. And, and, and just the, everything Kyle Fuller is doing is at the highest of high levels right now. It's really, really fun to watch. Um, you know, again, I – I can't speak to how other corners around the league are playing. I haven't got into it that much, but the numbers to me show that Kyle Fuller is a top three corner in the NFL with the yards allowed per route, the the catch percentage per route, all those advanced stats. Um, Kyle Fuller's playing. He's he's right at the top of him. He's playing great. And I'm, I'm absolutely with you. He is a joy to watch right now. 
He, he, he is. He, it elates my heart, especially to think about how far we came from Big Fangio questioning him and then him stepping up. And yeah, right. You, yeah, you, but you, you love hearing those stories, though. You like when, when it seems like that a player is going to separate and it turns around and it just doesn't turn around, that player takes off. And it, it's still – that was four years ago, basically. Yeah, four years ago. And he's at a higher level than he was at that contract year. So, yeah, I, I, I really appreciate his play. It's definitely outstanding. I want to get down into the defensive line and Roy Robinson-Harris. Um, I've been a fan of Roy Robinson-Harris for at least four seasons since his rookie, his rookie year. Maybe, no, it was the preseason of his second season. I, that's when I think he stood out to me. And I was like, who is this guy? But I haven't heard since, like, the first game. And my question is, will we see more reps with Mario Edwards uh, with the fact that uh, Roy Robinson-Harris, and he's, he's, he's just not getting there. And if, if you don't have your, 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 your nose tackle, so at least you need your five technique guy to be making some type of disruption. Yeah, you know, Roy Robinson-Harris last year had two and a half sacks. He had three sacks the year before, two sacks the year before. Um, we're, we're just not seeing it yet. But, yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you, man. Like. Mario Edwards Jr., this, he's got to be one of the most efficient pass rushers in the NFL. The snaps he's getting and the impact he's making on those snaps has been awesome. Like he, he's, he's pressuring quarterbacks at a rate that kind of is what we saw from Roy Roberts and Harris the last couple of years. I think that's kind of what you're getting at. Uh, I'd be interested to see how those snaps continue to kind of evolve this year. Because the other guy, Brent Urban's playing pretty well on that D-line, too. He, mm-hmm. He's making some meaningful contributions. Um, shout out to Jay Rogers, by the way. I mean, I tweeted this the other day. It's like every year, he they unearth some Drew. off-the-radar guy. Yeah. <laughs> it was Roy Robertson-Harris in 2017. Then it was Bilal Nichols in 2018. All of a sudden, Nick Williams comes out and has like seven sacks last year in 2019. <laughs> now this year, we're seeing it with Mario Edwards and Brent Urban. And that's, I mean, that is a testament to a great position coach, great scouting between the front office and the position coach. Um, Ray Robertson Harris, I mean, you kind of touched on it. This is a contract year for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think for his sake, he'd like to get some more sacks and more pressures. Um, Right now, though, the Bears aren't like totally missing it, which is interesting. Um, I think it'll come. He's still a really good player. You know, eventually he'll get his. Uh, maybe he'll get, you know, two sacks in a game at some point. But for now, though, you know, the Bears D-line is not suffering when it comes to pass rush. No, not at all. That's uh, Thankfully, it's it's finally starting to come on, and we know that Khalil Mack was slow. Even though this past week's game was more of a covered sack, still he got a sack. I'll take the sack rather than no sacks. That Davis show, J.J. Stankovich, uh, covers the Bears for NBC Sports here in Chicago. Make sure you always check out the Undercitter Under podcast. Follow him at J.J. Stankovich. J.J., my last question about the defense is Chuck Pagano. Um, listen, these last two to three games, well, I guess after perhaps – the indie game. So I guess I'm talking about the Tampa game and this this game against Carolina. Um, listen, I, I'm I'm feeling it. I'm starting to feel it. And I, the question I have, he should be familiar with this defense having them all last year. But with a guy that likes to bring pressure, there's always the fear that if I bring pressure and my quarterback can't cover up for a blown coverage or a man out on an island by himself and he gets burnt, then how are we going to get those points back? Is Chuck Pagano freed, or is this just something where they, they, they got, the defense has just gotten hot at this spot during the season? It's a really good question because I, I think there's something to Pagano playing a little more conservative, knowing the offense that he's being paired with. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're a defensive coordinator and you're blitzing all the time and you're 
you're leaving some stuff exposed and you know your offense can't cover if you do give up those big plays, you don't do that. So I, I do think Pagano has kind of altered his philosophy to fit the offense that he's paired with. But now you're starting to see him get aggressive at the right times. And this is what Vic Fangio is really, really good at. That blitz he sent Roquan Smith on on Sunday, where it was third and goal, he sent a backside blitz with Roquan to Teddy Bridgewater's blindside. Bridgewater did not see it, kind of negated the boot action on the play. Uh, I think it was the fullback was late getting over there. He hit Bridgewater as he threw passes incomplete. That's the kind of stuff that made Vic Fangio's defenses go from good to great. Or those like targeted blitzes. Remember how good Vic was of those of Sherrick McManus? Yes. Like, like, oh, Sherrick's on the field. I guess he's blitzing, and then he'd hit home on it. I think you're starting to see it with Pagano now, where he's starting to send blitzes at the right time. And it also helps that their coverage, like I was saying earlier, at the back end has been really, really good. You can trust Jalen Johnson and Kyle Fuller. And even Buster Screens made some good plays this year. You know, don't discount him there. Uh, I think that has also helped Pagano. And now that you're, we're getting close to a year and a half in with this defense calling plays for this defense, I think you're starting to see him understand the, the strengths of this defense more, but also understand how to cover for the weaknesses of it and, and make sure that those don't keep showing up like, you know, early in the season they did with Danny Trevathan in coverage. Look, I, I want to go, oh, but you brought up Roquan. I have to ask you about Roquan's play. You, you have a better eye than I do. How's Roquan's play at least been for the last few games? Are we starting to see him being the player that we expect him to be as highly as he We are. Yeah, that game against Carolina was, I think, the best game he's played in a Bears uniform. Um, he was all over the field. And, you know, going into that game, Mike Davis was second <laughs> in the NFL among running backs in receptions, targets, and receiving yards. Mike Davis had two catches for three yards. They, they didn't want to throw him the ball. They couldn't throw him the ball, whatever it was. I think Roquan Smith had a huge impact on that, that they just could not get Mike Davis involved in their passing game when he had been so effective earlier in the season. So, you know, and what Roquan was doing against the run, he could tell, you could tell he remembered and wanted to make sure that those missed tackles he had against Tampa Bay were not going to show back up against Carolina. That was yes. a physical of a game as Roquan played. Um, I thought that that was, yeah, his best game as a Bear and something he can definitely continue to build on going forward. That Davis show here with J.J. Stankovich. Follow him at J.J. Stankovich. J.J., listen, you mentioned it, and I know it's best-case scenario as far as Nick Foles, and it, it is is it really be correct as far as what he's been doing as far as getting hot at the right time, especially because usually Carson Wentz got hurt probably by about week 10, week 13. Uh, it's up and down, man. <laughs> and listen, I prefer to have him in there than Mitch, all right? But wow, that interception, that fumble recovery. <laughs> it's like it's like he was dedicating that ball to, to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, so my, my, my fear is, is this, is this what we're going to get? Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is this what we're going to get? Because, of course, if he was a world beater perennially, he wouldn't have been on the open market. You know, like we know the first season with Andy Reid, and then we know the two years with Philadelphia where he had to come in, but then we saw what happened last year with Jacksonville. So should I expect that he's going to be consistent but get the yips, or is it a situation that he didn't get the reps and this is maybe is going to smooth out uh, as the season progresses? Well, the Bears will tell you, you the second thing you said, that things are going to smooth out is what's going to happen. But I'm a believe-it-when-I-see-it kind of guy, and I didn't see it 
during the short part of training camp. I have not seen it outside of two quarters in Atlanta during the regular season. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think that there's part of me that trusts that Nick Foles is going to get on, go on a hot streak at some point this year. Mm-hmm. And will that be in the playoffs when maybe you're facing some defenses that are better? You know, we'll see. But I think what you've seen out of Foles the last three weeks is kind of what you're going to get, which yeah. isn't super inspiring, but you also trust him to go make a, a key pass at a key part of the game that can help you get a win, you know, against Tampa Bay. It was that, Dropping the buckets, David Montgomery on the wheel route uh, against Carolina. His third down conversion to Allen Robinson, where he had the roughing the passer uh, tacked onto it. That was a big time throw that he made there. You know, there is the rest of the game going to be pretty? No, but like you said, Ken, you know, that's why he was on the open market. If, he, if you were getting Nick Foles, playoff Nick Foles in the regular season, the Jaguars went to trade at him, right. and the Eagles might not have got rid of him. <laughs> so. You know, that, that, that goes that – I think this is kind of who he is. It's going to be baseline like this for the rest of the year, but you might get some spikes, and you hope you get the spike at the right time. I so appreciate you keeping it 100 because this is just how I feel watching it. I mean, you want to kind of lie to yourself, but you also want to go with the facts of who that man is. And, like, also we've watched Eagles football. Some of these throws we've seen there – Right? Like, we've seen those sailing balls. So it's just one of those things. I, I do want them in, but part of it I know is going to be a slight roller coaster. I won't be super crazy. I think the big difference would be if they scored a lot. Like, then it wouldn't be an issue if they were getting 28 points a game if he gave one up. But when you're getting 20 points and, I mean, struggling, it's just one of those things where it's just like, whoa. But listen, I want to stick with the offense. I want to talk about Matt Nagy. I have been a guy that has went from I love Matt Nagy to this season, I like Matt Nagy, until finally the last game. I was like, I don't know if I need Matt Nagy. And it's because I looked at, I viewed him as having the potential to be an offensive genius, right? I did. That's how I mean, early on, I know the first season, there's not a lot of tape on you. So you can get away with a lot of stuff because a lot of people don't know your tricks. And we saw last year when people figured out really what what he could do, uh, one, because of of Mitch, but also what he enjoyed to do, how they basically clamped down on this, this offense. Where do you put Matt Nagy offensively as far as how, how really is he special? I guess is the question I should, I should ask you. I know we can say Mitch was holding him back. Some people would say you're supposed to break out Mitch. But now you actually have someone who's competent and it's still the play call seems wonky at times. Special? No, I don't think so. Special when it comes to what he can do on off, you know, as an offensive mind. But here's where I will defend Matt Nagy. The Bears are five and one. Like True. The, this team probably should not be five and one. Last year, they should have been <laughs> eight and eight. Right. They should have been worse than eight and eight. And yet, Matt Nagy has proven to be a really good head coach. I agree. I don't think he's proven – right. He just hasn't been the offensive mind that he was necessarily billed as. But as a head coach, I want that guy in my corner. Mm -hmm. Because at some point, it starts to be – it's not a fluke when you start winning these games and you start maybe punching above your weight a little bit as a team with the talent that you have on the team. And I think Matt Nagy has a lot to do with that. The culture he sets in that building is really, really important here. The culture he sets on the sideline is really important. Uh, I, I, you know, in terms of his offense, there are a lot of things that you, you, you just scratch your head at. Um, but it's like my colleague Adam Hogue wrote this week, you know, 
a bad offensive line will make any play caller look bad. True. And the Bears don't have a good offensive line. So it's kind of hard for Matt Nagy sometimes to run what he really wants to run when his offensive line is playing like garbage. So they, they need to it, – it's this combination of Nagy's offense not working the way it's supposed to and the personnel not working the way they're supposed to. But I, I always will say, like, give me Matt Nagy, the head coach, 10 times out of 10. I don't know if I'm taking the offensive mind, mm. but give me the head coach. And I don't know if maybe this – this means in a year, Matt Nagy's not calling plays. I don't know. Maybe he, he has to take a look at himself and say, you know what? Like, I got to give up play calling to someone else. They, they got to design the offense differently. But I want to be here as a head coach because I know what I'm doing. And if he said that, he would be well within his rights to defend himself as the Bears head coach and stick here for a long time. That Davis show here with JJ Sankovich. Listen, I want to get back to the offensive line that you just mentioned as far as uh, not being a very good offensive line and you're not taking a shot. That's just facts. Well, listen, why don't they chip and assist Charles Leno Jr. at all for the most part? Like any any time you really see the, the other tight end, of course, unless they go 12, but he's he's next to the right tackle. He's next to Massey and Massey needs less help than the guy with the super edge rusher on him. Like, is, is this just the system? But it just seems like help him. We know who he is. Give him some assistance. Why does there seem to be some hesitation as far as assisting Charles Leno Jr. a little bit? It's a good question. Um, I think the Bears have done a little more of that this year. You're seeing a lot more pass-blocking situations for their tight ends, especially with Cole Komet, Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, they're going to a lot more max-protect concepts. But, you know, they, they still leave Charles Leno on an island sometimes, and I don't think Charles Leno is as bad as a lot of people think, but you know, I think his upside is he's about a league average left tackle, which is like this offensive line's upside. They're just like a league average offensive line at best. Yeah. I don't think they can get there without James Daniels anymore, unless they go out and make a trade like we were saying earlier. Um, This offensive line though, you know, we got sold on Juan Castillo being the thing that would fix it. And I was always kind of doubting that. At the start of the year, I was looking like, man, they're playing really well. Maybe it is Juan Castillo. Mm-hmm. Then the Falcons started running some stunts. And all of a sudden, the, this offensive line just like can't pick them up. And it just simple stunts where guys are going <laughs> into gaps that aren't right in front of them. Right. The, the communication on this offensive line has just not been there. And it, I think it's only going to get worse now that you don't have Daniels in there and you got to replace him. But yet the offensive line has still been better than it was last year when it was a total disaster. Correct. Oh, I don't quite know what to make of it, but look, what they did against Carolina was nothing short of just completely demoralizing to watch. Like Carolina entered that game averaging 5.4 yards per carry, you know, their opponents on the ground. Mm-hmm. The Bears averaged 2.5 yards per carry. That is, and, and it wasn't just them getting their butts kicked by inferior players. I, I, I'm doing a film breakdown on NBCSportsChicago.com on Wednesday where I, the play I looked at with my colleague Adam Hogue was a run where you got Rashad, you got Rashad Coward and Cole Komet pulling from left to right into a gap cleared by Jermaine Effetti and Bobby Massey. All those two players have to do is block the two linebackers in the gap. Cole Komet hit his guy to hear Whitehead. Rashad Coward got into the hole, was right in front of Shaq Thompson, and turned and blocked to hear Whitehead. And then Shaq Thompson standing there. David Montgomery's got to cut back. But Rashad Coward is right on top of him, so he can't hit the hole aggressively. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Cody Whitehair is losing leverage against Brian Burns. The play goes for a yard, when it probably should have gone for 50. 
Because mm. you would have David Montgomery running free against a safety who's second in the league and missed tackles. <laughs> These are the kind of mistakes that have to drive Matt Nagy nuts and have to lead to him not trusting his offensive line. All right, so listen, we got this game coming up against the Rams on Monday night. Outside of Aaron Donald, what do the Bears need to do to win this game? They've got to still stop Los Angeles in the red zone. When L.A. gets down into the red zone, they have got to continue to make stops on defense. Uh, This, to me, is the biggest challenge for the Bears' red zone defense because Sean McVay's got a lot of really good concepts to beat opposing defenses in the red zone. They probably should have done it a little more against the 49ers on Sunday night football, but Cooper Cup couldn't catch the ball. Worked out great for my fantasy team. That has <laughs> on it. Um, but, you know, they, there are ways that Sean McVay can go down and beat this Bears defense. Then again, he hasn't really done it. I mean, the, the Rams put up, what, nine points and 17 points against the Bears defenses in the last two years. Mm-hmm. So I think if the Bears can keep this thing low scoring and it does not turn into a shootout, we're talking like another 20 to 17 type game. I think they come out with a win, but I do think this is going to be a real challenge for the defense to go, go up against a really well-schemed offense in Sean McVay, where if you're playing Ben don't break, is Sean McVay going to go break this defense? If, if they don't, I mean, if the bears come out of this, another game where they hold their opponent below 20 points and they win this game, bears might have the best defense in football. So this is going to be a real challenge game, I think, for the Bears' defense. Great point. Like, when I, when I, when I searched up the league in my head, I think we are getting to that point. And it's not, it's not being – Right now, it's them and the Steelers. Yeah, yeah. And listen, this, until last week, this past weekend, the Steelers were a little bit of question until Mika finally got one. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, like, so, yeah, 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 that's pretty accurate. Listen, I'm falling in love with you, man. I just want you to know that, all right? Yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm feeling it. But uh, lucky enough, we have J.J. Stankovich from NBC Sports Chicago here. Make sure you always check out the Under Center podcast and always follow him at J.J. Stankovich. J.J., I really appreciate it. I look forward to talking to you in maybe a couple weeks. Anytime. Always fun talking with you. All right. Have, listen, have a great day. Yeah, you too. This ball is hit high and deep to left field. Davis looking up. He'll jump and brings it back in. Oh, what a play by Davis. All right, that Davis show, last segment of the show. So you know what that means. It's time to go up for grabs with Ryan Bukovsky. Ryan Bisky, what you got going on for us, man? Well, I want to get some quick hits out of you real quick because I've got a few games, and then, of course, we got to talk some World Series. So part of my quick hits, I know this guy is a, a dear treasure in the Ken Davis trove, and that is Tua Tagovailoa, who is going to be the new Dolphins starter. Uh, don't really want to talk about their game where they won 24-0 over the Jets, but just your thoughts with Tua being the starter of the Dolphins. It's called, man, we better get him out here. Justin Herbert is looking too good, all right? And we still have Joe Burrow out there on a bad team, still looking good. Let's see what our kid can do. Um, hmm. I like Flores, and I don't want him to lose. Last year, you got to remember with that that team in Miami, and they were tanking for Tua, that it's it came off as that his coaching uh, it was so good that they got wins that they weren't supposed to get. Or they were in games they weren't supposed to be in, and they actually played themselves out of Tua. Had Tua ended up at number one instead of Joe Burrow. Um, so I understand, like, you want to look out for your head coach because you don't – and also the culture there, you don't want to – 
just infuse it with so much losing. And you got the piece that you're supposed to get to take you out of the losing. I still am leery because, and I didn't know this until today, it's been over maybe 351. It's been through over 350 days, so almost an entire year since that injury happened. And mind you, that happened why, during a flip? Were we recording the flip in that? Yes, we were, against Ole Miss. Yeah, and you knew – I knew he broke his nose – and you could tell something was – like something happened. Well, we saw the cart, and we were like, oh, something right. going And you on. saw yeah. when, he, when he couldn't put any pressure on that leg, and he was already holding his hip, you knew it was his hip. Now, we didn't know he had knocked the ball through the socket. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's still crazy. Um, so I And, and on, it's compounded by the fact that Tua got hurt prior to that. Tua had, what, two ankle surgeries, I believe? Mm-hmm. So um, he's been a player that's often been injured. Um, but still, I mean, he can spin it. I didn't actually, and I think it may have just been early, and I know he was only in briefly at the end of the game. I didn't see the spin on this ball, but it's early. I did like to see that this was only one of the only games his parents weren't there, and he went and sat at like the 15-yard or 20-yard line to talk mm-hmm. to his parents, which was dope. I root for Matt Tate. I mean, I'm about to say Matt Tate. I root for Tua, Tua Tungvalea. Uh, for Matt Tateo, just for the island in general, because oh, brought so much shame to the island. <laughs> <laughs> you have brought shame onto the island. <laughs> but, uh, we know, we know your your deep rooted ties to the Hawaiian people. Everybody's there. walking around the island like this. <laughs> Pre-COVID. <laughs> oh, don't look at me! I'm Hawaiian. <laughs> Oh, uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, I think still, okay, I don't know what their upcoming games is and are, and I don't know if they have a bye this week or not, but... Uh, yes, they do have a bye. That's what I thought. I think so, afterwards. Exactly, so you give them a bye, so you're giving them an extra week to, to get him up to snuff. And it'll be against the Rams, the Bears opponent. So that's usually, usually the rookie comes in after the bye, especially if the bye isn't in the third week of the season. Um, it's cool. It's cool to do it. Just like I say, you better make sure you keep him upright, though. So as long as he doesn't get hurt, which you you never know, um, it's it's cool, and you want to find out what you got. And also, these rookie contracts are quick, and you better you better get him on his horse. So maybe not next year, but in year three, you guys can try to see if you can. I'm not saying they will. You can contend uh, in the AFC East, um, especially with Tom Brady not being there and, and with Belichick there, but still. You need to be trying to contend then before Tua has to get paid, paid, and then you're going to have to start cutting off your nose despite your space if he's worth it uh, by getting rid of other players to give him that huge quarterback contract. And before we get to my main upper grabs, my last quick hitter, we got the Titans and the Steelers still undefeated with some impressive victories. Uh, the Titans overtime thriller over the Texans 42-36, and it was because of a great Mike Vrabel decision, or at least it's alleged with that delay of game penalty that stopped the clock. And then the Steelers destroyed the Browns 38-7. Their defense looks good. Big Ben looks good. What do you think of the undefeateds? Well, as I said in the interview of JJ, uh, who was just on with the shout out to JJ Stankovich, uh, that that Pittsburgh defense actually hasn't been playing up to snuff. At one, I have them on my fantasy team. This is the first week they really did what they were supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, they haven't been the guy. They haven't been the guys that you expected as far as the talent that they show. Uh, that front four has been playing well, but that secondary hasn't been doing what you expect. Um, and finally, Mika had a, had, had a uh, pick six, ran it all the way back. 
Uh, but still, I, you know what? What I expect as far as what they're playing, I expect for them the remainder of the season. You're talking about just this upcoming game, correct? Mm-hmm. I think the Steelers are going to win. You know what I'm saying? I, I do. If they, can, if they can come downhill, and I know I'm asking a lot on Derrick Henry, I mean, you got to get him to, you gotta get him to, to shift. You know what I'm saying? And not on you, like I'm about to cut on you, but shift and, and then and, and, and allow your players to, to game tackle him. Um, but man, he's looked like a beast. But listen, Big Ben has looked good coming back from elbow surgery. So I'm going to go with the Steelers over the Titans, even though Grable has a familiar, his familiar with the Steelers from being in New England all that time. I'm still going to take the Steelers because I believe they had the better cornerback. And I believe they have the better defense all around. And let's not forget, um, what's the name's out now? The left tackle for... Uh, uh, yes, Luan, I believe. Yeah, Taylor Luan. Taylor Luan. It blew out his ACL. So that's, listen, he's a... he's a Yeah, but the Sears lost a guy too, Devin Bush, losing him with the ACL. They're yeah, side linebacker. I, I, I'm not, and I'm not, and that, that's definitely going to hurt in coverage. But you know what's going to help? The fact that Taylor Wynn isn't, isn't playing enough tackle in coverage. <laughs> all right? Like, that's going to help a lot. All right? So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Steelers over the Titans. Who, would you, who are you going to pick? Uh, I don't know. They're both really playing well, and I like both of these, you know, the makeup of their teams, and they're, like, showing the identity that we're accustomed to. Like, Sierra's hard-nosed defense with Big Ben throwing that thing around. We know Mike Vrabel, defense running the football. And they're doing it basically at the best of anybody. I I might lean Tennessee because I believe they're the home team. Not that home team really matters too much in the COVID year, but I'm just going to kind of lean Tennessee, not really confident either way. I get why that would be a pickup all the way. Mm-hmm, definitely. That, I, listen, definitely Tennessee can win it. Don't don't even get it twisted. Like, Derrick Henry is a beast right now. Tannehill isn't playing bad. He's playing well. All right. Let's talk about our main up for grab stuff. And I wanted to focus in on two games, but we're going to combine it basically one. The rest of the NFC North, because we talked about the Packers, but I'm, I want to know your thoughts. Vikings and Lions, because the Vikings just lost to the Falcons. Gave them their first victory, and now they're tied at 1-5 apiece, and they lost that game 40-23. to Kirk Cousins looks terrible. The Lions are 2-3 and after a victory over the Jaguars, 34-16. Uh, how did the rest of this division look good? Because we know that the Packers look good in the north. What do you think about the Vikings and the Lions so far? Um, listen, I, I feel like you're, there's slander being thrown here. Uh, I personally, and that's one on Kirk Cousins, I got 39 points, if you can see that there, from a pickup that I made about three or four weeks ago in Justin Jefferson. I don't know what Kirk Cousins is doing when it comes to wins and losses, but he's doing me a solid. He is giving him that ball in garbage time, I'll tell you what. Diggs, I hate you. And look, Diggs is out there coming across the middle, all right? We're doing everything. Yeah, we're doing everything. Um, Man, you know, we already know the Vikings are still a better team. Uh, hey, you sleep with Kirk Cousins, you laid your bed with Kirk Cousins. Right, my goodness. <laughs> like, but what about Mike Zimmer? His defense giving up 10 points every quarter. 10, 10, all, 10, 10. Listen, I know that you had uh, with Xavier Rhodes last year, and they had a lot of turnover. 
um, with the, with, with uh, Everson Griffin. Um, and, and they also lost that other corner that's in Cincinnati. I'm blanking on his name. The Michigan State standout. And dude, it's hey, you thought you can switch out these these players and still keep that top defense. And I mean, it still hasn't been a defense it was two, three years ago, back when the the, the, the that, that Nick Foles did his thing, <laughs> <laughs> right? Still hasn't been that top defense, um, but still they have more talent to me. And um, I, I, defensively, I still feel like they're a better defense than Matt Patricia's defense. And, uh, and with the Lions, I do think Matt Stafford is clearly better uh, when it comes to uh, his position than um, than uh, Kirk Cousins. And also, Dalvin Cook was out this past week. You know, yes. that, that, deep, that offense runs off Dalvin Cook because basically they kind of keep the ball out of Cousins' hands to a degree. You know, that's why yes. he is in with the Browns to do the same with messed up old Baker Mayfield, who I told Hub Arkish that Josh Allen was all right. Now stop. <laughs> <laughs> I will say in that little battle, nobody uh, won this week. That was a tie. <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm still winning. They're, 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 You're winning overall for there's sure. There's a schism between those two players to say the least. The ball is in Josh Allen's hands to win. The ball's not in Baker Mayfield's hands to win. It's like, just don't wreck the car. Well, the ball's not even in his hands when he's getting pulled out of the game. Correct. Oh. <laughs> Poor little try hard. Like, listen, how long How long was this kid supposed to be super succeeding as a walker? You do know that there is a ceiling, right? <laughs> you do. Man, he gonna keep on doing it. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. I'm a jerk. <laughs> So let's uh, let's use that energy to talk about the Rams and 49ers since the Rams are the Bears' next opponent. And that game, I hope that you watched it or just curious if you did, 24-16. thought the Rams looked pretty bad in that game overall. Mm-hmm. But I think the 49ers have a misleading record. They were 2-3 and three entering that game, moved to 3-3. Three and three. They've had so many injuries and just inopportune times, and they've already had Jimmy most Garoppolo stars, not play. Most stars back games. out. Yes. Right. Yes. They pulled they poured Jimmy G. Like you said, he was hurt. Got pulled last week. Had a good game this week, I believe. He might not have been too healthy last week, too. I mean, he's got a high or high ankle sprain, and that mm-hmm. takes a legit month. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you you don't believe in Jimmy G at all, anyways. Not that I care. But what do you think about the Rams? Because I don't care about the 49 Um you know what? I think it's the same thing that you see in situations like the Raiders uh, playing uh, Kansas City. Uh, you know, like when you're playing teams inside of your division, even if you're looked at as being the better team, they have so many opportunities to know your scheme and know what you enjoy doing. So usually you're going to get a closer game, even though there can be blowouts. So even though the Rams have been riding high, uh, Kyle Shanahan knows what um, uh, McShaman Bay wants to do. You know what I'm saying? So it's, I mean, we're talking about two offensive, two bright offensive minds to say the least. Um, so I felt like, I feel like that game, I can easily see that the Rams are probably going to lose that game because they know how to play Jared, uh, Jared Goff. And I mean, that's really all you really have to do. And also for some reason they put like Henderson is starting the depth, depth, depth chart at running back when he's been their most, he's been their most gifted runner this whole, his whole, this whole entire season. So it's just still some of those things that I think are are somewhat uh, concerning. And also, you know what? I know Woods and Cooper Cup are nice, but they still not like – I still want to have, like, one more dude do or, like, have, like, 
some, and I know they have high B and all that, like some ridiculous tight end. You know what I'm saying? Like, I still don't feel like they have the weapon on offense, especially since Todd Gurley, one, was hurt, but was kind of limited his last couple year and a half there. But it, it, we got to remember that offense was built off of Todd Gurley. You know what I'm saying? So I, that, I, the Rams, I don't want to say it's a smoke screen because I think Sean, Sean McVay is an excellent coach. But I think we know the limitations, and some teams can exploit those limitations better than others. Like the Bears. The Bears actually have been pretty good statistically, as J.J. had just said, as far as the amount of points in the last two years. And I don't understand why we play the Rams every year, but in the last two years uh, against the It just worked out. Right? So, against some people, no. Because that's also what the Bears did as far as what they did with their, their safeties against the Rams is basically what Belichick used in that Super Bowl against the Rams. Yeah, I think uh, what I liked seeing in that game Sunday night in the Rams' loss was the domination that the 49ers really had at the point of attack mm. because the 49ers are down, obviously, a couple guys, and I would think that the Bears' defensive line is definitely better than the current San Francisco 49ers line with the injuries so to see them dominate and like you point out Jared Goff is still Jared Goff like Mm -hmm. he's solid but if you get in his head or get those feet moving if getting him unsettled then he is really going to struggle and if they can dominate with that defensive line of the Bears and really whoop the offensive line I'm with you. I don't see the running backs that are just going to scare you. I mean, yeah, Henderson can do some things in the open field, so you got to make sure you contain him. But Woods, Cup, I mean, do you look at either of those guys as like, oh, man, against our secondary, they're going to wreck. Like, I I think our secondary is going to have a really solid day potentially for the Bears. Uh, Overall, I think it's a good matchup. Uh, The only thing that scares me, though, is – the Aaron Donald effect because this offensive line, yikes. And Aaron Donald, uh, he was whooping that 49ers offensive line, and they have some injuries, but they're a better offensive line than us. Somebody, I was looking at this meme that somebody had put out, and it was of uh, when Washington was playing the Rams, and there was that, there's like, um, uh, uh, what's his, Alex Smith came back, almost died, and came back from injury. And then in the play, in the middle of the scrum, Aaron Donald is literally on his back, off the ground, on top of Alex Smith back, like Alex Smith is carrying him. <laughs> and it's like, they're just pointing out how disrespectful Aaron Donald is. Like, you had a compound fracture, and you are on top of his whole entire body trying to break him down. Hold me up! Right, the meme is so funny because it's like, hey, you healthy, you out here, you're going to get this, you're going to get these sacks, right? But uh, yeah, it's just getting back to Aaron Donald. Listen, if they can stop Aaron Donald, we're still not going to be able to do what I do. But, I mean, to give – you don't like Jimmy G, and he had a good game. I feel like Nick Foles is going to get some of those looks. Can he do it, though? Just listen. Do you, when we talk about the genius of Kyle Shanahan and rushing the ball, and we've been doing that for, what, two years or a year at least uh, on this show. Uh-huh. Part of that genius is also knowing your offensive line and scheming your offensive line. Just like uh, when J.J. was talking about when the Bears were getting stunt, stunts, uh, getting stunted on, literally, <laughs> they stunted on them. <laughs> but, when, but when you sat there and you had Carolina run the stunts on them, they didn't know what they are doing. And anybody that doesn't know, stunts is basically like, like this, right? You're, you're, it's essentially an attack pattern for the yeah, defensive line. Right? You're, so. going, 
like, attack different gaps to make not just always be a straight. I got rush. involved in a bad stunt where my guy didn't do what he was supposed to do. He didn't cut Uh-oh. the guy that he was supposed to cut in front of me. So I, to cut the guy in front of me, just rolled my ass over because it was I was like this. The old pancake, eh? Exactly. I was supposed to be going this way, right? But he was supposed to be taking care of Ryan. Now he's coming this way at me. My guy was supposed to get him. I'm going to get this guy, right? And so basically, it's going to be hard to run through here because it's going to be a lot of mess right here. All right. We're supposed to do that. My guy didn't cut. And I got it was just bad business. But just still to get back to the point, uh, they have a better offensive line is basically what I was getting to when it comes to protecting the Bears quarterback against Aaron Donald. Um, James Daniels was the key. And I know James Daniels stuck to his fundamentals and Aaron Heastad told him what to do that game. But the thing was, too, Aaron Donald could have just had a bad game. He could have been in that situation thinking, I'm playing a rookie. He just didn't get up for it. He could have been out the night before. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, even with the greatest of great players, and Aaron Donald is an all-time great uh, defensive tackle. He's probably in the top three, to say the least, as far as defensive Probably. Players. Like, I would at this point, I would put him ahead on Warren Sapp. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's up there. It's hard to argue. I think you can yeah. put him as high as you want to, basically. Yes, what, I would. What has an Aaron Donald done? And it's also because of the years of consistency. Like, when has he really had an off year? Like, we can say with Khalil Mack, and I know it's different positions, but he had clearly had an off year last year. Um, but Aaron Donald, yeah, before that, I think, uh, what was it, before the Colts, Khalil Mack had one sack or uh, three sacks in his last 16 games. That's a season. Right. So, Aaron Donald getting double teamed in the center, right, is, you know, like all that pressure on him is still getting to the quarterback or pushing the pocket back. So, I don't see the Bears having the same amount of success against Aaron Donald as uh, the, the, the San Francisco 49ers or St. Clair 49ers had against them. Okay. And my, uh, I guess, last football up for grabs, uh, what do you make of the disaster that are the Cowboys and that embarrassment you know, on Monday Night Football? You know what? I'm going to tell you what I've really come to think about that team. They, they, I know he, it's partially his fault because he wanted to screw the contract to get back out for the TV money. They did a real disservice against Dak because that's a lot of poo-poo over there. That defense has been bad. This is the second year that defense has been bad, right? And the only thing was they, they got hot two years ago towards the second half of the season, all right? But that defense is bad, all right? You overpaid. There's a lot of money on that team. That's what I say. You overpaid players. Your offensive line is gone from that offensive line from three to four years ago. Their offensive line is gone. Dak was getting the same amount of pressure, but Dak was able to get out of it. Like, just think about it. In a way, they felt they were going to put a little pressure on Dak for bringing in Andy Dalton. I, I don't think Jerry Jones is silly enough to think Andy Dalton could come in there and replace Dak, but they still felt that, you know, with the type of talent on this team, something happens to Dak, we got Andy Dalton. And look what happened when you don't have Dak. Dak was covering up everything. And we should have known it because it was all these comeback games. The defense would, would mess up and squat, would just play on their backs the entire game. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, when people say, like, well, y'all not giving to Zeke. You see why? All right, Cabo Zeke. Um, listen, they're, 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 listen, that comes to you got a special quarterback for you. Now, now I'm not saying that Dak is all-time rare Aaron in the NFL. You have a special quarterback for you, and they can't do anything about him getting hurt. But still, like, it, it to me, I feel like uh, Dak Prescott was the potpourri that covered up a lot of uh, SHIT over there uh, for the Cowboys. And, and, and Jerry Jones has done them a disservice. Outside of drafting that offensive line, he's done them a disservice. Like, even the fact that, I mean, 
listen, I, I like C.D. Lamb. You had enough receivers. Like, you wasn't bad at receiver. You know what I'm saying? You would have been better to go with a defensive lineman or pick up another O-lineman. You know, because you know from attrition, your O-line has been going out anyway. You know what I'm saying? And they were aging out. So, so again, another point is I never like when players outside of maybe like, and this isn't just every star player, like a superstar player, have direct contact with the owner. You know, because then the coach, it, it diminishes his leverage on the player. It's like, you said, what you going to do? Okay, I'm about to go call Jerry right now. Like, so I blame Jerry for it, but I still feel like they underappreciated Dak because Dak was Dak was keeping y'all in games that y'all didn't even like. We know now he was really keeping y'all in games y'all didn't deserve. Nothing. They shouldn't have, have have a victory this year, even though they're still what leading the, the, the NFC. Yeah, two and three, two 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 victories. They shouldn't even have a victory if it, if it, I'm sorry, two and four. It's trash, trash ass team, it's trash ass owner, trash. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're pretty close to that final nail being driven into the coffin of Jerry and his Super Bowl chances yeah, of being yeah. the, the architect. How, how quickly they go get they go get Trevor or just? I mean, they don't they look like they're on a rebuild pretty soon here. You 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 have to listen. You know what compounds it? Then you brought in Mike McCarthy, right? That compounds. Who's gonna get fired after year one? Right? <laughs> no, they're gonna give him another year at least, but. You, well, they should fire him. That would be the best. You're right. You're right. They shouldn't have hired him. Like, that's the real key. You shouldn't have hired him. Listen, if you're going to keep Kellen Moore. Maybe the bells that uh, Jerry Jones was hearing was actually a stroke or something. Going <laughs> out there. Smell smoke. But listen, if you're going to. What's that burnt hair, Mike? Right. If you're going to keep Kellen Moore as a play caller because you like what he did under Jason Garrett, all right? Why did you go get a defensive head coach? So he at least he could fix through his scheme some of his talent. Maybe he could cover up some of his talent that you have here at linebacker that's not doing what it's supposed to do on his line. Like, it's just Jerry, and it has to be about Jerry. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't have anybody telling me what to do with my team, right? Like, that, it just compounds it by you brought in a guy, an old, antiquated coach. Regardless of what he said, he's up to date now. We know what he was doing in Green Bay. Right, like you, you it's, it's like you're hurting your team by just getting in the way all the damn time. Yeah, I don't know what to think of that mess. I can't believe how many people really like love <laughs> that think, team. Oh, like, totally. thought that they could really do some noise this year, and I was like, "What?" I mean, if they added CD Lamb, I get it, but if they don't stay healthy across the board. They got no depth anywhere. That secondary was completely unproven. Like, mm-hmm. at least with the Bears, like, you go into this year with that secondary, you think Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, we're going to be okay with the secondary. And now it's, Even their, with, best, the, yeah. it's their best It's their best room in, in that team is that secondary. Right now. And then it's like with the Cowboys, man, as soon as that offensive line, like Tyrion Smith and all those guys, or Tyron Smith goes down, mm-hmm. woo. I mean, they need that offensive line. That's probably the strength of their team. Zeke needs that offensive line. All right, like, ooh, and you paid Zeke, right? I don't know A lot. Ever see? I don't know if you've ever seen on Instagram. It's this guy, and he'll be like, "Like, tell me something that was embarrassing that you used to wear in grade school or high school, right?" Uh, baggy pants. So he'll be like. I saw you in those cross colors sagging your pants. I saw you. <laughs> you had them on. You thought you was doing it, 
Right? And it's so funny when he's doing it, right? And it's basically like what you just said, right? Like, you thought you was doing it! You thought you was the man! Like, that's exactly it goes what you were just talking about. Like, oh my, oh my God, totally. I could see Jerry Jones saying that in the mirror today. <laughs> On that big yacht. You thought you had this team together. You, like, just, dude, like what you just said. The last year when people said they was going to go to the Super Bowl was like, for real? And then when you had people that was like, and I think I, I think I still had them winning the division, which they may do. Well, to be fair, they're probably going to win this division. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. I mean, this year I said I, I think I had them winning the, winning the division this year because the division is such trash. Right. It's, it's just, it's a big... Like, you got to go with the unproven, or the questioned Eagles, that I shouldn't say unproven, even though this squad is getting to that point where it's not that Super Bowl team, but you don't know what you're getting out of them, and then everybody else is unproven. Of course you're going to go with Dallas's talent. Right. They, you know, so. one thing I thought of was almost in contrast with the Bears. I think maybe part of the reason why the Bears don't lose a lot of games is because they got a lot of guys in that locker room that really care about mm. professionalism and winning. And I wonder if maybe Jerry, he sees the talent, sees all that, like he knows what NFL talent looks like, but he doesn't know, doesn't have enough guys in that locker room that can really bring them together, bring the entire group and be like, yo, we ain't playing right. Like we can get this going. Do they have those type of, like, winners, basically? Or do they just have a lot of talented guys that, you know, tough, it's rough going right now, so I'm not going to put in the extra work to make it better. Again, I, th- I won't say that they don't have winners on their team. Um, I think it, we look at, and again, got hurt, but Jalen Smith at ND, um, I think they have winners. But, again, I think w- the problem is where does the buck stop? Like, that's the, the, like, versus the Bears, no. Like, they not hanging out with Virginia McCaskey. You know what I'm saying? Like, they know, listen, you can, listen, regardless of what the, what the owner's infinity for you, your ass can get cut. It seems like if you close to Jerry, you're going to be around for a minute. You know what I'm saying? Like, Sean Garrett, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to be around for a second if he has an infinity for you. So it's not it's not the same energy when it comes to you know what this is our only chance man listen we don't know even think about it like this out of the coaching changes that the Bears have had over the last six to seven years what was the thing the players would always say new coach you don't know who's going to stay and go in this locker room you know what the Cowboys that new coach you must, you're probably still going to be in that locker room yeah <laughs> yeah. I'm a B. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. Jerry likes me exactly. So I, I think you can build that locker room the way you want because your owner is doing things owners really should. There's a reason why owners are, for the most part, separate from their team. I'm not saying they don't come around, but they're not the general manager and they're not the, 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 the person that's always, always hands-on when it comes to that team and all up in that locker room and telling them uh, not to take a knee or he's going to send their asses to Siberia. No. Don't worry, he's not going to get a Super Bowl, so that sucks for Chase. Uh How about another championship drought? And, boy, I am so annoyed by this 1988 crap from the Dodgers. The last time the Los Angeles Dodgers won the, Super, or the World Series, 1988. What do you think about uh, this Listen, World I'm gonna Series I'm going to tell you something about Dodgers this. Dodgers I'm now, you know how I've, I've been rooting for the Dodgers. I want Clayton Kershaw to get one to solidify his, his... I do want that. I'll say okay. that. 
Yeah, especially he's been doing better in the playoffs. I'm going to tell you this. Like, you got that A's hat on, right? You know what I really don't like about that Kirk Gibson hit? And I didn't like the stuff that took place in Boston the last couple of years. I don't stand for disrespect when it comes to Dennis Eckersley. All right? <laughs> I don't. As a little kid, there's something about this I'm with mustache. you. I was like, you need to respect that mustache on that man right there, all right? So that's what I never liked about that home run by Kirk Gibson is that it was off Dennis Eckersley. As a kid, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, even I wasn't even a baseball guy, but I like me some Dennis Eckersley, all right? I mean, they deserve a Dennis Eckersley curse. Come on. You, you should have one. You should have one. I mean, with the stash like that? Like, I mean, I, listen, when, when Kirk Gibson was doing that, that stash did like this. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, their favorite, the Dodgers are favorite over the Rays. I mean, listen, this is another thing, too. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if the Rays uh, won. But, you know, the thing is, this isn't like my Rays team's from like six years ago that I was really on, like paying attention to that team. You know what I'm saying? Like I used to, yeah. be, more, I used to be really, I used to be more mindful of the Rays. I think you would have been though. Before if you Joe had Madden left. Before Joe Madden left. Hey, I like this guy, Kevin Cash. I was like, man, if David Ross doesn't work out, that should be the next. Hey, we'll break his ass next. But uh, yeah, best run, probably the best run organization in baseball, either ahead or below the Dodgers. And the Dodgers have all the money to spend. Uh, I wouldn't be mad if either team uh, wins, but I do want the Dodgers to win uh, for Dave Roberts and for uh, Dave, definitely Clayton Kershaw for those guys on that team. I mean, and also, what do you want a championship for Dave Roberts? He's got rings. I'm, no, I want as a manager though. Like, a, oh my god, this is that squad. Like, is it also because you know they go fire his ass? But uh, and it was funny, real quick. Side note. Well, he might have saved it. So he had, he had to get to that World Series. Side note from last week where I made a mistake. Uh, I, I was using one of your questions as far as uh, what happens if the Dodgers get knocked out. And someone on what was on the Twitter? It was Twitter. Was like, yeah, they're not going to hire AJ Hitch. They basically hate him. And I was like, great point. <laughs> like, it'll be hard to bring him into that. Who hates him though? Who's the one? Don't, don't you remember the kid? What was the kid? Uh, the, the pitcher that was throwing uh, at their heads and then walked off and did like this at them. Yeah, Joe Kelly. Uh, yeah, the- like that's listen. They don't have an affinity for them. That like that's not going to be an easy one. But uh, again, this is another thing. Well, they've been to three of the last four World Series, right? Mm-hmm. Um, dude, come on, give them one. Don't Buffalo Bills that man. Not like this. Oh my god. Not no. like this. Not like this. Like Don't this. you throw that great quote on Dave Roberts and the Dodgers. <laughs> not like this. Not like this. Not like exactly this. like this. You know what's the most <laughs> annoying thing is this drought that they've had. So, like it's gonna be talked about on the telecast. It's every year. Some like this, uh, this damn. What we need as a White Sox? He went seventy some years. What's you know thirty what? two? That, that means my team's incompetent. Our team. The Bears haven't even won in that long. Why don't we talk about the great drought of the Bears? Um, when you don't want to hit you with again, incompetency. You want some more? No, no. The the most competent Dodgers before Magic Johnson bought that team, they were trash. Before, man, here we go. You're gonna start some stuff. That Magic stuff. <laughs> what do you mean? I just gave him credit. I know that's the problem. I won't. I won't revisit that. Um, oh man, you still hate Magic? No, that wasn't that. The Lakers got their title. Move on. (laughs) This is giving Magic props for everything. Uh, Man, Magic's the reason that Steve Ballmer got the uh, the forum. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you know, Steve, I can make a call. Listen, again, when we're talking about our teams here, they've been incompetent. 
All right, there's no way your team like I was listening to the Sox something that the like the, I was listening to the Sox and it was something that they hadn't done since either the World Series facing the Cubs. It was something ridiculous. It's like you didn't do that since the 1980. Oh, I get the incompetence thing but do, though. But, but so, come so, on. No, I, so listen, I'm not going to be mad. 32 years. That's, hey, that's nothing. That's your lifetime, basically. How old are you? You 35 or 32? 31. 30. How dare you? Listen, listen, think about that. That's not even your lifetime. You're right. So oh, that's a long time then for you. How about the A's? They won in 89. We don't talk about their drought every Cause, year. Because it was full of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> full of. Cheetahs. Full of. Kirk Gibson didn't cheat. No, no Kirk Gibson did They probably shooting up steroids right in that <laughs> meat for him to get up. Up the stairs. Is this gonna even help? I don't know. Just shoot it in, anyways. <laughs> Just give me more. That's good. Let me get right. Oh man. Oh man. Oh man. Good one. Bro. Where are we? I forgot. <laughs> We're talking about the World Series matchup starting last night. Now, whenever you see that that <laughs> highlight, you're gonna think of me. Bring out the big needle. <laughs> I need a. Oh, give me all the rest. It's a nice thing. Let's go. Dennis Akers was out there with his mustache. Look at that mustache! Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you need to be. That's uh, all I got for upper grass. You Just, need to make uh, sure this is an excerpt right here. <laughs> yeah, this will be a nice little little yeah, clipper. Make this a clip. Let's go, raise! <laughs> Screw Kirk Gibson and his shot it up knee before and, uh, that. Listen, had out of the last um, out of the last few years, if the Dodgers had won, I would be on full on race. Um, but since the Dodgers haven't, I'm one. I'm like, the, the race haven't won it. Oh, what are they playing? They don't deserve victories with the playing in a place like they were playing in a division with the Yankees. The I didn't Red say division. Sox, I the said the Jays. place. I said the, the Dodgers place. have just been waltzing through the NL West for the last five years with the trash that they got. Listen, I said the place, all right? Got to watch out for that Rockies team. You know them. <laughs> Listen, and look at what look what happened to you, Darvish, on that Dodgers team. You don't want to do this for you? No. For you. I got my you revenge with the Astros losing because they did that to you. <laughs> Dodgers didn't do nothing. Didn't do them no favors, I'll tell you that. Okay, all right. So definitely, definitely. Their hands are as dirty as the Astros. <laughs> stop, stop. I got to close the show out. All right. We definitely want to thank J.J. Stankovich from NBC Sports Chicago. Follow him at J.J. Stankovich. And make sure you check out the Under Center, Under Center podcast uh, and all the, the, the shows that he said uh, that he have coming out tomorrow and the day after tomorrow with the film. A study on what was taking place on that run play uh, with the Bears and offensive line and David Montgomery. Definitely want to thank my excellent and funny producer. (laughs) 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 Oh, for bringing levity to the show. We will be back with the flip with Sidney Brown this Saturday. We may have another interview before this week is out. 
Uh, but if not, you know, we'll have one for you at the beginning of next week. Uh, definitely support us. Uh, more importantly, definitely stay safe. Thank you.